Hallelujah, hallelujah. So honored to have Brother Bass here with us today. An outstanding job preaching here Sunday night. Ministered in such a mighty way. And we are honored that he is here today to speak to us. The Bass wants you to come. We love you. Speak to us from your heart. We're ready to receive. Thank you, Brother Holmes. Praise the Lord, gentlemen. Amen. God bless you. It's wonderful to be back in the house of worship this morning. And it's good to see all of you good brethren. I want to direct your attention this morning to the book of Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to read three verses of scripture. Verse 21, 22, and 23. Several months ago, I guess probably about three months ago, the Lord uh, gave me this message, this thought, and um, I felt very, very strong at that time that I would be addressing this subject in this conference or in this camp meeting. However, several weeks ago, the Lord um, directed me for what we preached on Sunday night, and I was left somewhat puzzled because I knew how strong I felt this particular message. And uh, when Brother Holmes asked me to fill the to-be-announced slot, then I understood. And um, I, I, uh, I'm, I never cease to be amazed at how God does his work. The way he operates... Amen. I never cease to be amazed at his uh, divine plan, his divine design. So work with me today for just a few minutes to the brethren that are going to be ministering after me today and tonight. I apologize that I will not be able to be here shortly after this session. I've got to catch a flight to the West Coast to preach a conference out there. So please forgive me. I wish I could be here to hear you. Matthew 16, 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto you. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for you savor not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And everybody say amen. God bless you. Appreciate you. You can be seated. Our message of death, burial, and resurrection, without a doubt, is the message, the only message, and the greatest message for this world. I believe it is the message that gives all of us hope. And uh, I know that the next couple of minutes, some verses I'm going to use, some things I'm going to say uh, that I'm preaching to the choir. And I understand that. But just uh, follow me just for a few moments. When Paul writes to the church at Corinth, uh, he said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I am confident that what the apostle Paul was doing, as we well know in 1 Corinthians 15, is that he was addressing the issue of the reality of his death, burial, and resurrection, and making it very clear that his death, his burial, his resurrection was a historical event. It actually took place. But not only uh, was there a death, burial, resurrection, but his 
process, his death, burial, resurrection became the premise on which the gospel of Jesus Christ was founded. Consequently, we preach the message today of death, burial, and resurrection. And there is no other message. But the one thing I think is so important for us as preachers, as the ministry, and that is uh, that while we want people to live and while we want people to experience the great plan of salvation in the dimension of the Holy Ghost, I think there's something that we must always remember, and that is there is a death involved. If we... Uh, if we avoid the message of death, if we avoid the message of crucifixion, we are not giving them the fullness of what they need to experience in God. Amen. Paul made it clear in Romans 6. No, that, that's, don't know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we'll be in the likeness of his resurrection. And he made this statement, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Paul again makes it clear that there is a necessity of death. Our old man has to be crucified. Our old man has to die if the new man is going to live. Do we believe that today? Amen. He also writes to Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things. Somebody say old things. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Again, I understand I'm preaching, I'm talking to men here today who know this. You understand this. But I want you thinking in the direction that I feel for us in this, in this session uh, this morning. And that is that this process of death, burial, and resurrection is without a doubt the plan of God to bring people into the kingdom of God, to bring them into an experience and a relationship with him. And you cannot avoid the process. Amen. We don't need to just pray people through to the Holy Ghost. We need to help them know how to repent. We need to help them to know how to die. We need to help them to know how to get buried and those sins be washed away. But if they never died, all you did was bury a live man. Amen. I believe that. And so this is the process of new birth. Now here's what I want you to notice in our text. And that is that Jesus was talking to his disciples about death, burial, and resurrection. He first of all, in speaking to them, he said, I want you to know that I am going to suffer many things of the chief priest, of the elders. And he said, I am going to be killed and I will rise again the third day. The thing that I notice in that whole story because immediately the apostle Peter begins to rebuke Jesus and say to him, not so. This is not going to happen to you. The problem with the apostle Peter is that he got so focused on the death. He got so focused on the suffering. He got so focused on the dying that he totally ignored the fact that Jesus said, I will rise the third day. He got so caught up in all the dying, in the suffering, in the death, that he completely ignored that. He never even addressed that. He only spoke to Jesus about that which he was uncomfortable with. What I want to talk to you about today is simply this. Amen. Don't miss your resurrection because you are afraid of the crucifixion. Because what I'm convinced of is that this process of death, burial, and resurrection is not just a process by which we bring people and God brings people into the kingdom of God, but this is the process God puts us through as he is carrying us into higher dimensions and higher places in him. Amen. And some of us 
can get so focused on the dying process that we fail to realize that through every dying process, through every crucifixion we have to face in our life, God has a resurrection. God has a new dimension. God's got a new realm that he will bring us into. Amen. So many of us are afraid of the dying process, that we miss out on our resurrection. I, I, as I've already said, I believe this is the process that God uses to bring us to a higher and a greater dimension in him. In fact, if you look at nature, and I'm going to try to move very quickly because I've got some ground to cover in the next few minutes, but nature teaches us about death and resurrection. We all understand this. This is simple, very simple ABCs. Every day has a death, so there can be the resurrection of a new one. You know, I've heard people say, I wish this day would never end, but every good day has to end, so there can be the resurrection of a new day. And then there's others that say, I I, I didn't think this day would ever end because of the trouble, the problems, the trial. But you know, and I know, every 24 hours, there's the birth of a brand new day. Every season has a death so that there can be the resurrection of a new one. Spring dies, so there's a summer. Summer dies, so there's a fall. Fall dies, so that there's a winter. That's just the way God has set some things in order. Every year has a death. There is the ending of one year and the beginning of a new year. And I am persuaded that if we could see what God does and how God works and operates with us as preachers in the ministry, we would understand that we're never going to remain in one place if we're going to fulfill what God has for us in our life. Amen. But we're not just going to live one day. You don't have just one day of ministry. You've got many days of ministry. You don't have one year of ministry. You've got many years of ministry. You don't have one dimension of ministry. God has for you another dimension, another position, another realm that we need to understand how to get there. Praise the Lord. Now, now I'm, I'm convinced that Exodus 29 is the true type of baptism. And that's when Aaron and his sons were taken to the door of the tabernacle and they were washed. They were washed at the door of the tabernacle. That to me is the true type of baptism where the tabernacle is concerned. After that, they ministered daily at the altar and they washed in the laver. Amen. What was done at the door of the tabernacle was what was done to them. What was done following that was what was done by them. Our baptism in Jesus' name was what was done to us. But our returning to the altar and the laver of water is what is done by us. It's no wonder that Paul said, I die daily. It's no wonder that he said, though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Amen. And when you follow that process at that tabernacle, it was first the altar of death and the laver of water and then the altar of incense. We don't go from altar to altar. We go from altar to laver to altar. And this is God's process. Amen. It's a movement toward his spirit. It's a movement toward a higher and a greater experience. God help us that we don't get so caught up in our suffering and what we're facing and the things we're having to go through that we can't look beyond that and realize there's something greater that God has in mind for us. Amen. And so this process is talked about. I just want to hit a few highlights. But the process that's talked about here in Romans 1 and 17, he talks about how the the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, he talks about the glory of the Lord, that we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
Amen. So it's, it's an ever ascending relationship. It's an ever ascending growth in God. I pray God that the longest day I live that I never want to resist what God is trying to do to bring me to that higher level, that higher place, that higher dimension in him. I don't like dying any more than you do. I don't like suffering any more than you like to suffer. But there is a suffering process that we're going to go through if we're going to reach that next level. You don't go from this level of faith to that level of faith without there being an upward climb. You don't go from this level of glory to that level of glory without there being an effort being put forth. You don't rise higher unless you are reaching, unless you are allowing something to move you to that higher place. Amen. Now there's a, there's a process of glorification that Jesus gave to us in John 12 and 23. Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Jesus made it clear if there's going to be a greater measure of fruit bearing, if there's going to be a higher place that you're going to attain, you're going to go through a dying process. Amen. Except the corn of wheat fall in the ground and die. When that corn of wheat is put in the ground, it's put in a dark place. It's put in a damp place. It's put in a cold place. Amen. The environment is not the most pleasant environment in the world. It is a cold place. It's a dark place. It's a damp place. But in the environment of the ground, something is taking place. Something is going on. There's a dying process that's going on. There's a death process that's taking place. And in the ground, the seed, something's happening to the seed. What is happening? There is a dying of the outer husk. There is a dying and a deteriorating of the outer husk. So what is on the inside can begin to spring forth. But as long as that seed is left on the shelf, it never accomplishes anything. As long as it's in a comfortable place, it never goes anywhere. But when it's in the dark place, when it's in the cold place, when it's in the damp place, when it's in a place of uncomfortable position, hallelujah, something's going on. Amen. The outer husk, I am convinced, essentially is our flesh. It is our carnality. It's our pride. It's a lot of things that God has got to get out of the way in order for what is inside of us to begin to grow and produce fruit. I pray God never let me fall in an altar and pray, deliver me from this hour. Deliver me from what I'm going through. Because if he's taking me through a process that's going to give me the ability to bear more fruit, then let it be so. Let it be so. Let me die so that I can become what he wants me to be in my walk with God. Oh, let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. There has to be a dying of the old so that there can be a resurrection of the new. Now, you know, Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse number 1 and this just adding to the fact that I believe God does not intend for us to stay where we are, but intends to move us into greater dimensions of ministry and greater efforts in the kingdom of God. But Jeremiah in chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, when you read those four verses, Jeremiah's complaining to God. He's telling God uh, all the unfairness. He doesn't, he, he feels like there's so many inequities. He thinks that things are just, he's complaining. The reality is when you read verse 1 through 4, he is complaining to God. But in verse number 5, the Lord responds to him. And God answers his complaint with 
answers Jeremiah's complaint with his own complaint. God responds to Jeremiah with his own complaint. And God's complaint was this. If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, how can you contend with the horses? And if in the land of peace wherein you trust they have wearied you, then how will you do in the swelling of Jordan? Now when I look at that scripture, I see something. And what I see is God's got a plan. And what God's plan is for Jeremiah is, you're running with footmen now, but you don't understand. I've got horsemen waiting on you. And you're in the land of peace right now, but i got a swelling of Jordan waiting on you. He was saying to Jeremiah two things. Number one, if you think it's bad now, it's going to get tougher later. But it's not just the fact that it's going to, if it's bad now, it's going to get tougher later. There's a greater dimension I want you to get in. The footman is one dimension. The horseman is another dimension. It's a big difference in running with footmen and running with the horsemen. But if you, he's saying to him, I'm going to prepare you down here. I'm getting you ready where the horsemen are concerned. I'm getting you ready where this level is concerned because I got a greater level. Oh, yeah. I know there's going to be a greater measure of problem or trouble or struggle up there, but there's going to be a higher effort at, at ministry, a higher effort at doing my work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if in the land of peace, you're having a problem there, what are you going to do in the swelling of Jordan? Oh, God, help us as preachers to realize that, yes, when we move from this level to that level, there will be a greater measure of struggle. But there's going to be a greater measure of ministry, a greater measure of being able to accomplish a greater work for God. He was saying, Jeremiah, I've got a promotion for you. I want to promote you to to the horseman, but if you can't handle the footman, how in the world are you going to handle the horseman? Lord, I feel Holy Ghost in this house. Amen. Now, when we were a child, Paul said we spoke as a child. We understood as a child. We thought as a child. But when we became a man, we did what? We put away childish things. There has to be a death. There's got to be a death of your childishness in order to embrace the adulthood. The growth process. When you were born, you were sustained by others. You were carried. You were fed. Your needs were met by somebody else. But there came a day when all of us had to take responsibility for our own life. We began to feed ourselves, clothe ourselves. It's the process of life. And there's some things you've got to leave behind. Oh, help me, Jesus. It reached a point where you had to take a job in order to carry your own responsibility to support yourself. When you entered into a marriage relationship, your single lifestyle had to die. The reason why, there's a reason why so many of our families are struggling, so many people struggle sometimes in a marriage relationship is because they never let the single lifestyle die because if you're going to enter into that relationship it's going to it's going to require the death of some things amen you don't think like a single person anymore it's not all you it's not all your desire it's not all what you want and oh hallelujah amen i i've tried to teach Um, young men as they felt a call to God. I said, I want you to understand something. When you accept the call of God, when you accept the position of being a preacher and, and developing a ministry, I've said, you relinquish some of your rights as a saint, if you want to use that terminology. Saints sometimes can come in and sit down and kick back throw their hand on the back of the pew, and they'll survive. They'll make it. But when you embrace the ministry, you don't have that right anymore. You step out into a position of leadership. Everybody else is looking at you. That means when you come to church, if nobody else is worshiping, you better be worshiping. I've told them, don't get in the pulpit and tell everybody else to praise God. Get in the pulpit and show them how to praise God. Woo, hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. Amen. 
and, and I don't in any way, you can be seated, I don't want in any way to appear to come across as being whatever. Amen. I just want to try to help some young preachers today, some young men. I want you to understand that, that you can't go through years of life of your ministry expecting your pastor to give you everything, expecting your church to do everything for you. Now, you've got to come to a point where you understand nobody can do my praying but me. Nobody can do my studying but me. Nobody can make my process of growth but me. If I grow in this, it's because I decide I'm going to grow. I'm going to take on the responsibility of my ministry. I'm going to take on the responsibility of growing. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Come on. There was a time when we stuck the bottle in your mouth. There was a time whenever we pampered you and tried to help you. But if you're going to work for God, you're going to be willing to take the hard knocks. You've got to be willing to take the responsibility. You've got to decide, amen, if I'm going to be what God wants me to do and, and live in this realm of ministry, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to give it all I've got. I'm going to put my life on the altar. I'm going to put my heart on the altar. I'm going to put my God, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I, I know I got to hurry. Time is just crunching me right now. But, 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 but the Bible talks about how that when Gehazi came back from, from running Naaman down and, and he, had the, he had the money, he had the gold, the silver, he had the apparel, the prophet of God looked at him and said these words, is it a time is it a time for all of these things he wasn't saying those things were wrong he wasn't saying that those things would not come in time he was saying is it the right time and it's the focus of your life that determines whether or not you will become an Elisha or whether or not you will be a leper with just a testimony of your bishop or your elder it's the focus of your life. You've got to decide, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to seek God. And if I don't drive a new car for a while, and if I can't live in the finest, and I don't have the best of apparel, if I can just touch God, if I can just know I'm in the will of God, if I can just know I'm doing what God wants me to do, that is what I need to engage myself in. There might be a time you can buy and do things, but sometimes there's a focus you've got to set in your life. Somebody say amen. 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 Now, I, I, <laughs> I want to show you a couple of things here about Jesus and his ministry. Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, John 14, 15, 16, tremendous words of Jesus concerning the future. Here's something he said in chapter 14. He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also and greater works. You think about, that's the words of Jesus Christ to his disciples. You see what I'm doing? I've got greater works for you. But you gotta be willing to go from where we are to where you're going to be to do those greater works. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. If you ask anything, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father. He will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Look at this verse. Even the spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. They were struggling with this idea of Jesus leaving them. They were struggling with the fact what, what, and what, what is going on here? How in the world are we going to cope? How are we going to be able to do the work that you're saying we're going to do? How is this going to be accomplished? And they were struggling with the physical departure of Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, you've got to understand, I am with you now. My ministry is a with you ministry. But if you let this dying process take place, I've got a higher 
measure a ministry. It'll be an in you ministry. Hallelujah. And our problem sometimes is that we can't turn loose the with you ministry to get the in you ministry. We can't turn loose this dimension to get to the next dimension. We're so happy here. We're so contented here. And we feel like this is the epitome of it all. And the Lord is saying this is not the end of what I want to do for you. I want to carry you into that next realm. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm in you now, but I shall, I'm, I'm with you now, but I shall be in you. I'm going to tell you, brethren, there's something inside of me that's saying, God, what else do you have in mind? What else do you have for us in this end time, in this last day? I don't think that we need to be focused on some of these earthly things, but there's a dimension in the spirit that the Lord is working on us with. We've already heard it preached in this camp meeting. We heard it last night. We've got to maintain that drive in us that says it doesn't matter what I have to die to. Amen. Jesus said, this is where you are right now. But this is going to be a better place. Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, let me back up. Verse 5. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you ask me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, I will send him, send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of, unrighte- of righteousness and of judgment. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, fellas, you've got to understand that this thing's not over with. If you think it's great now, you see the blinded eyes being opened, the dead being raised, the lame walking. You see the lepers being cleansed. You see all these marvelous things going on. It's not over with. And if I go not away, the comforter cannot come. But when he's come, there's a greater measure of ministry that is going to take place. Things are going to happen then that can't happen now. Brethren, I'm telling you, God has plans for us to carry us into a position where that we can see some things accomplished there that we're not seeing here. Somebody say amen. The dying process in the time of Jesus Christ crucifixion affected a lot of people. Amen. The disciples were scattered. There was fear on every hand. Amen. There was fear on every hand. There was, there, was, there, was a, there was a scattering of, there was a lot of stuff going on during the dying process. During the death that Jesus was going through, sometimes you and I start looking around at the effects of the dying process and we're wondering my God what in the world are we going to do everything's falling apart everything is 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 being shattered and scattered but you don't recognize you don't realize that while all that's going on he understands what's going on he sees everything that's taking place he knows that there's some denying he knows there's some going fishing he knows there's some that's doubting he knows everything that's happening in the midst of that dying process but he also knew something else that was going to be a resurrection hallelujah and even though there were only 120 that went in the upper room and we heard it so ably preached last night there was only 120 that went in the upper room before that day was out 3,000 had received the gift of the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden everybody was forgetting about Doubting Thomas everybody was forgetting about the Apostle Peter who said I'm going fishing everybody forgot about all the suffering, the pain the agony, the sorrow of that day, they forgot about everything because all of a sudden they're baptizing more people than they can, that, that they hardly have time for 
3,000 get the Holy Ghost. 5,000 get the Holy Ghost. A great multitude gets the Holy Ghost. The gospel is being preached. Great revivals taking place. Hallelujah. But I want you to notice something right in the middle of the dying process. Right in the middle. Now, now I told you the other night uh, that, you know, someone said, well, that was good and original. And, and, of course, the response of the individual was, well, what was good was not original. What was original was not good. Now, now what, I, what I'm going to tell you right now, the, the Lord gave me this while I was talking to my son one day. And uh, was just conveying to him some things just recently. And it just like immediately this thing came to my mind. And, of course, he, had, he mentioned, he said, I, I feel like I'm going through a dying process. Because I actually preached this message in our home church um, back in June when I was there for a Sunday. And uh, so, at any rate, he told me two days later, he said, I feel like I'm going through a dying process. And I looked at him and I said, son, you're right. You are. And I said, don't ever forget. When you're on the cross and you're being crucified, you got two thieves, one on each side. One on one side telling you, you don't deserve to get what you're getting. And the other one on the other side saying, you deserve everything you're going through. I said, but it doesn't matter. Both of them are thieves. And they're there to steal the process. They're there to steal the moment. One is saying, why don't you come down and save yourself and save us? Hallelujah. The other one saying, you're a righteous man. He don't deserve all of this. And sometimes we got voices on each side of us when we're going through some of the toughest times of our life. We've got those saying, you don't deserve it. And we got those saying that you do deserve it. And sometimes the ones that saying that you do deserve it or, or don't deserve it are those who are, are, are watching your life. They are watching your, uh, your experience and, and, and they don't understand. You got to recognize those thieves did not know what was going on on that cross. They did not understand what was happening. And brethren, I'm going to tell you, some of your closest friends will not understand what you're going through. They will not understand what you're dealing with. And your enemies sure won't understand. And everybody's going to have their, my God, hallelujah. Everybody's going to have their opinion of what's going on. But what you need to do is just say, Lord, into your hands, commit my spirit. I'm committing my life. I don't understand the fullness, but I, but my God, hallelujah. I believe one thing, there's a resurrection on the way. Hallelujah. I, I, I was sharing this thought uh, concerning the thieves to a dear friend of mine, Brother John Paget, and he gave me this example. And uh, he said, well, he said, don't forget. He said, Job had those kinds of people in his life. He had friends that were saying, you deserve everything you're going through. You must be a bad person. And he had a wife that said, What's the deal with you? Why don't you curse God and die? You don't deserve to be going through what you're going through. And Job said, I just got a little word for everybody concerned. Number one, he said, I know where I got what I had. The Lord gave it. Number two, I know why I lost everything. The Lord took it away. I'm not going to allow the enemy, the world, everybody around me to determine my perception of what's going on. He said, bless be the name of the Lord. I'm here to give God praise. I'm here to give God honor. He ultimately said, I can't find God anywhere. Right hand, left hand, before me and behind. But the Lord knows the way I take. And when I'm tried, I'm going to have a resurrection. When I tried, I shall come forth as pure gold. Tried in the, my God, hallelujah. I'm going to come forth as pure gold. Tried in the fire. I will have my resurrection. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. It's a dark hour. It was a dark time. But there has to be a submission to. And brethren, we can be so afraid of this dying process. Amen. In order for an evangelist to be able to fulfill 
the calling that God may place upon his life when he leaves the evangelistic field and go into the position, the office of pastoring. There are, there are dynamics as an evangelist. And I know because I've been on both sides of the fence. In fact, I've been there more times than once. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but there's, there's dynamics as an evangelist that are not as a pastor. There's a way of life as an evangelist that's not the same as the life and the ministry of a pastor. And there's some young men, there are some men, period, that struggle when they come off the field to pastor because they're trying to pastor from the same perception as they had as an evangelist. And I'm sorry, it doesn't work. You have to decide to let that spirit of as an evangelist, that lifestyle, that, that dynamic of that relationship with God, that dynamic of that ministry, you got to let that die so the Lord can put you in the position of a greater work, a mightier work that he might have in mind for you. Am I making sense to you? Amen. It's the way it works. There, there's got to be a dying. There's a dying process because the Lord is going to bring you into a different ministry. So, and and I, I understand it may, I may, may have made it sound like that the ministry of an evangelist is less than that of a pastor. I didn't mean it in that fashion, in that way. It's a different ministry. It's a different level. And God has other plans for you. God's got things in mind that you're not going... Let me just let me let me go one step further. If you're a missionary living in this country, acclimated to this country, acclimated to this lifestyle, and having everything that you might need, and you go over to the foreign field, let me tell you something. The the, the missionaries out at, that I watch that I feel like are more successful than anybody else, if you want to use that term successful. They're the men that I have sat down and talked to them and, and I've said, would you ever come back to the States? They said, absolutely not. Not at least until it's the will of God. I'm happy where I am. I'm comfortable in the place and I know what I know what, where they're living. I know some of the things that they're having to deal with. I know some things that they have to cope with where just the normal necessities of life are concerned. I've done enough trips to the foreign mission field. I've watched missionaries as they've labored on foreign soil and let, oh, hallelujah. And yet I don't hear them talking about how much they wish they could be in America, how much they wish they could be here. I'll tell you why. Because they let that lifestyle die in order to move into the dimension of that ministry that God could use them the way he really wants to use them. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Uh, and, and if I could say just a few things here and wrap it up because I know that my time is coming to a close right here very quickly. But, but to the young ministers that are here, to those who maybe have only been in the ministry a short time, I want to warn you ahead of time, you are going to go through crucifixions. You, my God, hallelujah. Amen. You will have saints that sidle up to you and say, I wonder how come they never call on you to preach. I wonder why the pastor never asked you up to testify. I thought you were called to preach. I thought, listen, you've got to learn how to live right where you are and be productive right where you are in order for God to carry you to where he wants you to be. Job wore, Joseph wore the coat of many colors, the favor of his father. And there came a day that the favor was stripped off of him and he was sold into slavery. He went to Potiphar's house and things didn't get better. They got worse. He didn't go higher. He went lower. He went from the, from Potiphar's house down to the prison house. And I'm telling you every step of the way, there were things he had to deal with. But there's something I noticed about Joseph. And that is the fact that no matter where he was, he did his best to be productive in the place that he was in. Ha <laughs> ha. Hallelujah. When he was sold in the Potiphar's house and he arrived on the scene, he made his mind up. I'm going to be the head of this whole house. I'm going to be the top dog if God will help me. And he set about with an industrious spirit and an attitude. And before you know it, he is the man that is in command of all of Potiphar's wealth. Potiphar didn't even know what he owned. 
And he was a slave. You hear me? He was a slave. And then before you know it, he's lied on. He's thrown into prison. He's left there forgotten by those that promised to help him. And yet in the prison house, Joseph said, I'm not going to be content just sitting here. I'm not going to be content just being a prisoner. And it wasn't long. He was the keeper of the prisoners. He was elevated to a position of authority. You know why? Because God was putting him through a process. The Lord knew when the coat was stripped off of him what the ultimate end was going to be. That there would be a resurrection. Joseph, you're going to die. There's going to be some death going on. But while you're dying, you can be productive. While you're dying, some things can be going on. There can be the birth of some things, the growth of some things that carries you into a higher place in God. Amen. Amen. Young, young man, listen, listen. I started when I was 16 years old. This is my 44th year preaching. I just turned 60. Somebody told me the other day, now that I'm 60, I can say things in the pulpit that I couldn't say before. I'm not sure how that all works, but I guess it's true because I think that's what's happening now. I'm saying some stuff I never said before. <laughs> Amen. Young man, don't chafe because you're sitting on the pew. Don't chafe because you're, you don't feel like you're being used as much as you think you ought to be used. You ought to be looking around saying, what can I do? Amen. What kind of work can I do? You ought to be going down to the old folks' home and doing a little bit of preaching down there. Go, go, go down the street corner and do a little preaching down there. There's work to be done. I'm going to tell you what, if you're bored trying to serve God and bored trying to live for God, you don't have a burden for souls. You don't have a burden for revival. You don't have a burden for the things of God. Amen. Don't forget what the book says. The book makes it very, very clear that a man's gift will make room for him. It didn't say you're going to make room for yourself. It said the man's gift is going to make room for him. What God puts in you. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. And I'll just leave one word or, or leave a word here real quick about that gift stuff. Amen. Be careful because sometimes your gift can put you in places that your character cannot sustain you in. Somebody help us. Amen. I want to close. I want to wrap it up here by just stating a few things. And that is that all of us have to recognize as ministers, as preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. First of all, it's not about us, it's about him. We are at his disposal. John, I just want to tell you, I can take you out of that prison. I can keep you from getting your head cut off. I could do it. I could do it. But you're blessed if you don't get offended in how I do my work. Because John, this is not about you, it's about me. Jesus is in the garden and he's praying, oh, Father, let it be possible. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, he told those that wanted to take things in their own hands. He said, don't you understand? I could pray. I could pray right now and I could abort this whole plan. I could abort everything. He said, but then how will these things be? And God is standing back saying, how do you think I'm going to get the job done with my church if I don't have some men that are willing to go through their dying process? If I don't have some men that's willing to face a crucifixion every now and then. The Bible said that Jesus knew that for envy they would crucify him. You hear me brethren, anytime there's envy somebody's going to get a crucifixion and you may be dealing with a crucifixion process only because someone's envious of you, envious of your ministry, envious of your success envy of your growth just go ahead and die because he's got a bigger Pentecost coming. He's got a greater Pentecost on the way. He's got a greater, greater Pentecost waiting on you. Amen. Now, let me close with these words. And I'm going to try to make this as brief as I possibly can. And that is that we sometimes, those of us that are, have been in the ministry for many years, sometimes we struggle with the future. Pastors, pastors find their identity as a pastor. Amen. That's where our identity is. Now, the problem that we have with death is this. Death to us, we know what death is. And death to us can be defined 
as non-existence. Non-existence. When you think about dying, the reason why folks don't want to die is because they know they're not going to exist anymore as the person they are. They're a mom. They don't want to leave their children. They're a dad. They don't want to leave their friends, their family, their children, their wives. They don't, there's, there's a lot of things going on because the thing that we see where death is concerned is that of non-existence. And some men, forgive me if I'm out of line here, not old enough to say this. I'm going to go ahead and say it anyhow. But because I've been through this process. I've been through a dying process. Amen. I have a testimony about a dying process. I went through a dying process as a pastor until the Lord brought us to that point to realize that he had a future for us. And our problem is that we, we, have to, we suffer with this idea of, of giving up our position as a pastor because we're afraid of the non-existent title. What am I going to be after I'm a pastor? What am I going to be after I give this church up? Now, I'm not advocating here today wholesale uh, resignation of all the older pastors in this meeting here. That's not what I'm advocating. What I am saying is uh, that you and I need to be conscious enough that God's got a plan. And that if we can, because I know that there's a will of God involved. I know there's a timing of God involved. I understand all of those things. I understood it for my own self. But I can tell you this, dying is not easy. Dying is a tough thing to do. Amen. Stay in one place for 28 years. Some of you have been there longer than I, that I was in the last church that I pastored. 28 years, you don't want to give that up so easy. You don't want to give up that position so easy. But our problem is we're thinking in terms of non-existence. What is my role after this? What is my position after this? What you have to understand is Jesus made it clear that I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, but I'll rise again. And Peter, don't forget that part. There is life after but what you've got to learn is that you may not be. You've got to die. You've got to die. Let me tell you something. I went through a dying process. I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm not going to get into details. But I went through a, a dying process. One of the hardest things I ever did in my life. One of the greatest struggles of my life. Highest levels of stress I had ever faced. I cannot even tell you. I even made some decisions in this time that were not good decisions. Amen. I'm going to tell you. You get into a dying process sometimes and there will be responses and reactions to things that you would never have done otherwise. Hallelujah. And, and so I'm just telling you, I, I, I made moves. And, I, and, then, and then I had to deal with that, to deal with, with, with the consequences of that. And my point here is that in all of that, I reached a point where that I died. I died as a pastor. Brethren, I'm going to tell you as my own testimony, I've had a resurrection in the spirit. I've had a resurrection in ministry. And I'm going to tell you without any reservation, I'm not out here looking for a church. I'm not looking for another pastorate. I'm not looking for another congregation. I'm happy where I am. I'm content where I am. I am reached. I moved into a new dimension of ministry. I won't go back. I told the church in Ocala, I said, I love you dearly. I prayed many of you through to the Holy Ghost and you don't know how much you mean to me, but I'll never come back and pastor you because I have had a resurrection and I'm enjoying the trip. Oh, hallelujah. It's not quite as loud as it was a few moments ago, but it's a fact. And here, brethren, listen to me. Listen to me. If I could share anything, it would be for heaven's sake, for heaven's sake. When the Lord begins to wrap your ministry up as a pastor, let something be birthed in you that says, God, I don't know what my future is, but there's one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to move into my new dimension of ministry and destroy the old. I'm not going to destroy my work. I'm not going to destroy my efforts. Hallelujah. I told my son, I said, I'll never stand between you and anybody in this church. I will never go behind your back. I will never talk to anybody in this congregation without informing you. I know I'm your daddy, and I know I prayed many of these people through, but I'll never do that. I'll not stand, you're the pastor now. I'm going to tell you what, if I can't trust in the will of God, I can't trust in anything. If I can't believe that God's church is built upon a rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, I can't trust in anything. Let's stand, brethren. I've got to quit. Amen. If I can't believe. Now, listen, brethren. 
I'm traveling this country. I have preached since last August. I have preached in 40, I think it's been like 44 churches in the past, uh, since last August. And out of that 44, 10 of them I have gone back to one time and maybe some of them twice. I've traveled a lot, but what I'm seeing that thrills my spirit, that thrills my heart, is I'm seeing another generation of young men being raised up, as we heard last night, and others that we heard in this conference already. A generation of young men that love this truth, they love the Word of God, they love holiness, they love separation. You know what I believe? I'm I'm taking the attitude that the church is going to be all right. I'm taking the attitude that everything's going to be okay. The church is going to go on. We don't need to get so frustrated that we're worried about whether or not the church is going to survive. You hear me? It's going to survive. Amen. So don't be afraid of the crucifixion and miss your resurrection. I I, I know there's a lot of details. I haven't filled in the blanks, but you men are thinkers. I know that. I don't have to fill in all the blanks. I don't have to to put everything out there in in the form that you might have to with the church. You understand where I'm at. I'm trying to convey God has greater works for us. But what we have to accept is that he will put us through a process of dying. Because any time that he's got a new thing in mind, there's going to be some dying of the old. Sometimes your, your, your attitude or maybe your methodology or whatever, there's just some things that you gotta, you got to let stay here while you go up here to another higher place. Amen. I don't want to miss my resurrection because I'm afraid of my dying. Let's talk to him. Everybody in the house, let's talk to him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's lift our voice. Let's gather in, brethren, around the altar right now. Let's come around this symbol of death and begin to place our lives once again in the will of God. That we want the will of God for our lives in every area. That's it. Pour your heart out to God. Open it up. Your will, God, not my will. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's it. Gather in. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. You can use anything. Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet, touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet, touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. 
Jesus, that's it. Reach out with everything Touch you've got within you. Begin to trust the will of God again. Trust the will of you God once again. You gotta, you gotta trust God's will. It's all about trusting His will. Are you gonna trust it? No matter what, what it is, I gotta trust His will. That's how I started in this journey. That's how I'm gonna finish this journey. Trusting his will, God, take me, mold me, shape me. God, use me any way you want to use me, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Take me, Lord. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Anything, Lord, you can use me. Why don't you put your hand on the shoulder of a brother? Lock arms with a brother. We're all in this battle together. We're all in this together. We're all in our wilderness. We're all trying to be what God would have us to be. Hallelujah.